Oh, yes. gentlemen welcome to the film find oh my goodness i'm back already i can't believe it you can't believe it uh you know clutch your pearls as you will uh the show is continuing and uh you know what this week i decided i needed a little bit of help with this podcast so i reached out to the man that i know is more prepared than anyone else for anything at all times he's the boy scout du jour mr bruce leslie hey 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 man it's cool to be here Oh, man, it's been a long time since you've been on this show, man. We do so many other shows together that I'm yeah, sure that we're I, sick of each other at this point. I but, think uh, uh, it was the uh, monumental uh, oh, Winter Soldier episode. Was, the was first, that the really the last time, time I was on it? Holy think. smokes. Well, that's a darn shame. And uh, we're going to maybe we'll change that a little bit more often than at once every five years you can come on the show. That's the rule. I don't want to see you till 2022. Oh, goodness, man. I hope I'm still alive. Uh, but uh, Bruce and I are going to uh, talk some movies today. We only have one new release review, but first we're going to talk, uh, and, that, and that release actually comes under the banner of children's films. And uh, that's something that we do still talk about, about here on the Film Find. I know a lot of people just go like, oh, I want to hear about, you know, like your Predator movies or the Nicolas Cage movie Mandy that came out that I saw. And like, I, and I'd love to talk about those things. But every now and then we we watch some animated stuff or, you know, even, oh shoot, even when we get into things like the romantic comedies and stuff, we, we tend to watch just about everything here. So we also think about the people that are going to be watching these movies with you because sometimes you got to take the family, right, Bruce? Uh, absolutely, man. Family of five. Uh, oldest is 12. Youngest just turned eight. So I've always got to look at the big picture in terms of that. And, you know, for a good many years we had, you know, it's not that long ago that the five-year-old, uh, I'm sorry, was it that many years ago that the seven-year-old or the eight-year-old was a five-year-old and the 12-year-old was a nine-year-old? So I went from the pure on more like kitty kitty movies to the kind of tween movies now. And the tween movies are really, really good and sweet and genuine sometimes. Yeah, and it's interesting how, like, you know, especially you get caught up, you know, with three, you get caught in that little web where all of a sudden it feels like, finally, we're able to get into some, wait a minute, I got to do that same thing with this one too? And that one? <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> but the nice thing is when you have a, a bunch of kids, the younger ones always kind of want to emulate the older one. So you get the older one or the older two in particular interested in something then the younger one will be darned if he's not in, included too. Well, so I'm not going to not do easy. that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That, that part goes a little easier. You just need to get the oldest or maybe the two oldest and in, interested in something. And the youngest is going to come right along. Now, have you, have you gotten to this point? Because this is where like I had something with my brother growing up. Uh, my brother's just two years younger than I am, and uh, that was always, he was kind of my built-in best friend, you know? 
Oh, and, yeah. And we always liked everything. We came from a very nerdy house. We had all these sort of things and whatnot. And then there were neighbors down the street who were more into outdoorsy type stuff. They were into like camping and hunting and all this other kind of stuff, fishing. And I'm like, this is not something the outdoors and Adam do not agree. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> keep me on the inside where it's nice and chilled and AC, and I can I can watch a movie in in, in nice glorious air conditioning. <laughs> that used to be a thing that movie theaters touted to get right, you out right. of the heat. Was hey, come on in, we have air conditioning, so you didn't give a crap if the movie was good or not. You're just like thank right. heavens I'm not outside baking. We have air conditioning, and this one's two and a half hours long. Sweet, <laughs> sign me up to get, get cooled down, and you're out, you're inside the theater wringing out your shirt. <laughs> <laughs> and you know Everybody that's how they had to do it in Florida, too, man. So you imagine the sweat ring inside those. Oh hats. yeah, you gotta you gotta like slap it down a couple times, like, whoop, whoop, just kind of just to get the main moisture out. Then you do your squeeze. Yeah. Uh but you know, so but things, but so when my brother was like, "Oh, I, I'm doing these things," and I was just like, I, I got to that like, well, what? What are you going over? Have another interest outside of what we already like over here? Why are you doing this? Have you have you had any of that kind of situation yet? Not too much just yet, but I think we're getting close. I mean, the youngest has always had a few things that he's interested in on his own. Like when he was a little bit smaller, he was the kid who had to collect all the Paw Patrol stuff, something separate from his brother. Mm-hmm. But he always liked all the same video games, the same YouTube videos. You know, like eighty percent crossover. And then the youngest has about twenty percent of stuff that's just kind of his. And then uh, and that would be brother, like too childish for the other two to really have any sort of interest in. Yeah, yeah. And he's he loves dinosaurs more than the others did, just for whatever reason. Yeah, and uh, of course his brother man. is really getting into theater and musical theater here lately, and that's something the youngest has no interest in. In fact, <laughs> he kind of likes making fun of his brother for it. So. Why don't you dance around a little bit more, huh? <laughs> <laughs> something like that. Putting on your makeup, eh? Okay. But boy, they, they, you know, it's so different from when you were young or when I was young because YouTube has made this weird kind of gaming fan uh, that both of my kids know a lot about games they've never, ever played, and yeah. they really claim to like games they've never been in the same actual room as this game before, <laughs> but they love watching the uh, YouTube idiots because, come on, man, you got to admit, they're, they're 85% idiots. I don't get it. I just don't get like why one idiot is more beloved than the other because they all just kind of do the same obnoxious stuff. Sometimes, then then there are people. Listen, I mean, and it, I, I, you know, listen. I'm going to come out in the show and say it. I, I've been a PewDiePie fan for several years. <laughs> well, I really, I really enjoyed got what a he's. Totally different reason. Very for me to call so. him an idiot now, but but very different from a lot of the the lesser folks that just like getting on there and being obnoxious. I mean, they they're oh, intentionally sure. obnoxious. Do they do they watch any of the Twitch people? Any like your ninjas or any of that nonsense? They know who Ninja is. Now I don't know. They definitely don't watch Twitch, but you know stuff on Twitch makes its way to YouTube. Yeah, oh yeah. But we one were, way or another, we were. Um, I don't know. We went out for chicken wings or something like a week ago, and they have all sports on, is what tends to happen in a chicken wing restaurant. Yeah. Very few chicken wing restaurants are like jazz themed. Put on you the know? soaps. <laughs> but uh, Sports Center suddenly started doing this special on Ninja. Hmm. And I didn't know who Ninja was, but both of my boys like, "Oh, look, it's Ninja." And they were telling me all about Ninja. How the, defeated the does that make you feel as a father? <laughs> uh, you know, I I don't I know who this Ninja is. I got plenty of wins. I can handle the loss. But yeah, Ninja. 
the world's greatest Fortnite player, and they say, oh, yeah, he's awesome. He treats his fans like crap. Do you, do you lean over to the kids and just go, uh, let me tell you this, kids. Ninja doesn't have four published books, okay? <laughs> Has Ninja ever writ, writ, written for uh, 2000 AD? Oh, well, interesting. <laughs> back in, <laughs> be dropping back that in my day, I was in, you know, you show the Lone Ranger on TV. That's who I was into, kids. I try to make <laughs> them think I'm like 40 years older than I am. Oh, that was. Oh, I grew up on nothing but the Lone Ranger and, uh, 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 the Life of Riley was my favorite radio show. <laughs> my dad said one of the things that they would uh, that he would say to his mom growing up to really uh, you know just kind of see how hot she how hot he could make her was that hey mom what was it like in the covered wagons? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my kids have done a few of those things totally non ironically. Just like ask me if there were cars when I was little. Were there like cars? <laughs> <laughs> we all flew around in pterodactyls. <laughs> yeah. Oh, then, of course, that's when the dinosaur lover corrects me. No, Tara Dawns. Listen, you're not fun in this house anymore. Get out. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, yeah. So, you know, I've I've covered the whole family movie gamut. All the way down from from the horrible movies, like the horrible, horrible throwaway animated movies from the people whose attitudes are kids will watch any old crap if it's animated. You know, because there are still occasionally those kind of movies that get thrown out there, like... uh, the Emojis movie, I think, is probably the most recent one that I had to sit through. But back before that, there was this awful animated Alice in Wonderland kind of thing that even if I had paid a dollar for it on Redbox, I'd want my dollar back. <laughs> it was like one of those kind of things. Wow. Now, with, with that kind of stuff, I mean, because I think, I think I remember you saying even your kids hated the Emoji movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. Nobody, nobody liked the Emoji movie, from my experience. And that was one of the few on this program that we didn't watch because it was just like, you know, no way. Uh, there, there's sometimes you even have to, you know, draw a Man, line in the sand and say no further. And I, I don't know which came first. Did Aladdin come before Lion King? Did Beauty and the Beast come before Lion King? Little Mermaid? Like, wh- which one of those? I like, feel like Disney Lion Renaissance King was movies came probably the 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 first big one. I don't know. Let me look it up. Which one? I think mm-hmm. Lion King. I'm I'm feeling like Lion King, which makes me think it was probably something else. Because the more positive I am, the more often I'm wrong. But it, uh, let's just call it the Little Mermaid. You know, whatever. It might we'll have been. Say, I, you know, I'm I'm looking now. You keep you keep going. Well, anyway, the the point I'm trying to make is after about 1992, when something like the Little Mermaid was made. 89 is it, Little Mermaid. Just by the by. When was it? 89, Aladdin oh, was wow, even earlier than I thought. So after The Little Mermaid was made, people, you know, filmmakers should have started getting the idea that uh, animated movies need to be not just any old crap that you throw out there for kids. I mean, uh, not to, to dump too hard on like Filmation or Hanna-Barbera because I really, really have a lot of nostalgia for those shows. But you go back and, and watch and the animation's really cheap and the storylines aren't always anything special. Like they'll take... Uh, a Snagglepuss story and tell it with Yogi Bear and then turn around and tell it with Deputy Dog like the same it's story. It's genius. <laughs> but uh, after The Little Mermaid's what I'm going to use as my bench point. Yeah, that's, that, that's pretty much, I would call that their, their, like, their new, the new renaissance of Disney animation. And then I think there was another, you know, big uh, jump forward when Toy Story came out. Huge. After those movies, people should have figured out you can't just throw any old crap out there, but we're still getting emojis. You know, we're still getting that awful, I wish I could remember the name of that Alice in Wonderland, or not Alice in Wonderland, but that Wizard of Oz horrible animated thing so I could 
properly disrespecting <laughs> but maybe i am properly disrespecting it by not remembering the name but they, we still get some garbage out there but also uh you know animation has its own appeal and there are plenty of animated movies that are never intended for kids in the first place you know things <laughs> i'm sure you're a fan of both uh, beavis and butthead do america and oh, yeah. the south park you know bigger longer uncut yeah i see i was like um, in uh, i was like 11th grade i think when uh when the south park movie came maybe 12th grade it was 99 uh, if, if memory serves so uh yeah that was like that was right down the barrel i was working at a grocery store and that like you were just going around going you won't believe this <laughs> but, but i think some of the real man i mean and you get these people People that are 50 years old and love Disney and everything Disney makes, they're crazy about it. But I think the real magic starts to happen when you get these live action movies that are, you know, let's not make a mistake. The The idea is that they're primarily aimed for children, but they're called family movies. And they really do hold a lot of appeal for those of us who uh, still like fantasy and magic and and stuff that, uh, you know, the same kind of stuff that was amazing to us at 10 years old is still amazing to us sometimes. And some of those movies are what really impress me. Um, but when it goes to, you know, back to the animation, not to jump all over the place, and it's not a movie, but I think the perfect kind of like family fair, like what I would say is a nice yardstick to use to measure other stuff against is does it have the Animaniacs factor? Because hmm. I don't know of anything that is truly family entertainment the way Animaniacs is. It's going to appeal to the seven-year-old. It's, it's going to actually appeal to the college student. Which a lot of this stuff, you know, is biphasic. It hits the uh, middle school, you know, the middle school and down, and then it hits the parents and up. But it kind of misses that gap around uh, late high school, college, young professional age, mm -hmm. you know. But the Animaniacs even hits that like middle spot. So because that's another good yard. The great part about out. that show is that it was just it was so dense with everything, I mean, all the way back, and in, in so many different broad styles of comedy. All the way back from kind of vaudeville sort of stuff to, you know, really interesting kind of commentary and super inside jokes and like deep, deep Hollywood references and stuff. It was kind of amazing how much they were able to get away with and somebody didn't go, this is for children. They're not going to understand any of this. But it's still all layered in there so well, man. Oh, yeah. Uh, Animaniacs is like a singular creation, you know, so heavily inspired by the Looney Tunes cartoons, which were made for adults, period. And kids kind of like them by accident. Well, this was like the other way around, you know, made for kids, but the adults liked it by accident. Now, but, you were probably too old to see this when it first came when, when it first was out. I'm sure you're aware of it. Uh, but even I was maybe a little too old, but I sure shoot and watched it was uh, around that same time. Your Tiny Toon Adventures. Which, yeah, I watched Tiny Toon Adventures. Which was because... like it, it was it was lesser than Animaniacs for sure, but it certainly was it, a lot better than it had any right to be. It was it was kind of trying, I think, to to be in the same vein as Animaniacs, but I I feel like Tiny Toon Adventures maybe came before Animaniacs. Ooh, it might have. They're both Steven uh, Spielberg I, joints. I know that. But uh, Animaniacs, you know, was in college, and co I can tell you that it, in the Early 90s, college kids loved Animaniacs. Uh, Tiny Toon Adventures, college kids didn't love. But I would tune into it just because I've got a pretty good uh, nostalgia for Looney Tunes. You know, so it takes a lot to chase me off. But I think Looney Tunes have pretty much chased me off at this point. Like, I'm not interested in anything new from Looney Tunes. But I also live in a time where I can just 
jump on YouTube and watch four hours of classic Looney Tunes, you know, anytime I want to. So why do I need new stuff? Yeah, Tiny Toons, 1990 to 1992. So that's right before Animaniacs. Yeah. And that was probably when, you know, I'm I'm like senior in high school. I'm not going to be telling people I'm watching Tiny Toons, even if I am. But I probably checked it out once or twice. But by the time Animaniacs hit, I'm thinking like 93. It's probably so, when Animaniacs hit. By then, man, I was all in. Like, I, I had the perfect uh, pickup line. Whenever there was a cute girl in college, I would just walk up to her and say, Hello, nurse. Uh, first episode, 1993 for Animaniacs. So, yeah, Tiny Toons actually That's over. pretty good for me, man. I nailed that one. Yeah. Uh, even though I wasn't so close on The uh, Little Mermaid. But, yeah, uh, Tiny Toon Adventures, not bad, but it's no Animaniacs. That's true. Now, is there anything today, because, like, I'll be honest with you, man. Uh, I, I got a, I got a niece and a nephew. They're four and seven, and they they well, I mean, outside of my my nephew continuously watching, he can now thankfully say something a little bit better because for at least the age of two to the end of three, it was Batman Shark, Batman Shark. He wanted to see <laughs> yes. the. He always wanted you to cue up the YouTube video of of. The Batman 66 movie where he's getting the repellent and the fake shark sure. off of his leg. That was his favorite thing crazy. in all of history. He could watch it a billion times and it wouldn't be Batman shark. I'm like, okay, just, just leave me alone here. Just take it. But that's what he would want to watch, just that one bit there. But any, but a lot of the stuff that they go on and they put, it, it's just, it's horrible. Is there anything that's like watchable for adults these days because i feel like we almost are you talking about in terms of uh, uh cable tv cartoons like like typical cartoon shows yeah i mean uh, teen titans go well there you go uh you know we watched the movie the movie's pretty indicative of how the show goes uh teen titans go uh pretty much any adult i won't say any i'll say a good number of the adults i know that have checked it out have really enjoyed it you know especially if they're comic book folk like me um uh, Cartoon Network does pretty good, man. Regular show, I like that a lot. Yeah, I, I hear on. things. That there's, there's like, there's a large handful of, of like, uh, of, of animation from in that style and stuff that I'm just like, I hear this is good, but I've never really watched it. I and I, I couldn't Gra- tell you Gravity why. Gravity Falls, man, really hit that that tween sweet spot where I'm saying it's it feels like a grown-up cartoon to kids, but it's still a kid's cartoon, but, man, adults can love Gravity Falls. Hmm. The the one thing I'll say, and it's got a good mythos. It's got plot twists. It's, a, it's like Breaking Bad in that they knew there were five seasons or something like that. They knew where they were going, and they yeah. were going there, and once they got there, the ratings were great, and they still stopped it because the story was done. Hmm. And, Adam, you would love Gravity Falls if you go back and check it out. Now where and, where 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 is this from? Uh, Cartoon Network, I'm pretty sure, but it oh, might yeah. have been Disney XD. Man, these cartoon channels run together to me. I'm thinking Disney <laughs> XD. The more I talk about it, uh, but Gravity Falls, Disney XD. Um, you know, just just check into it, man. Check into it. See if you can find it streaming somewhere. Where you can watch a couple episodes for free. But it's it's got like a little bit of a Gary Indiana feel to it. Maybe even like X Files for kids a little bit. Hmm. Uh, touch of Northern Exposure feel. I mean, it's just really cool. Uh, I mean, the they live with their grand, or not their grand, their great uncle that they call Grunkle. Uh, they live with their Grunkle Stan, who runs the Mystery Hole, which is like one of those weird places where you you know sightseeing tourists. Come on down to the or, Mystery Hole. Exactly, and we've, then he sells like cake. tchotchkes and things. 
And then supernatural things, of course, do come into play. And then there's a grand story arc, which is amazing for a cartoon like that. Uh, and now it's cooled down enough because I think the final episode's probably closing in on three years ago. Uh, when it was at its height, it's one of those things that you, Adam, can sometimes be annoyed by the fans of something to the point you can't enjoy that something. Oh, believe you me, I I 110% get all of that from, from many a thing. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I'm worried that Gravity Falls could have done that to you, but I think at all these cons, when you saw a ton of people wearing the trucker caps with the pine tree on the front, yeah. you didn't know what it was, so it didn't annoy you, but that's all Gravity Falls. Um, uh, also, man, Steven Universe is exploring like some really interesting like storytelling patterns. I mean, it's like comic book style. Uh, what you're seeing in the in the animated cartoon Steven Universe could be like one of those uh, bizarre cosmic comic book stories. It's like actually tragic, even though you're laughing all along the way. And it's kind of interesting because you don't necessarily see the big story in each episode. But then as you watch it, especially if you like catch it on a Saturday when they're doing a marathon of Steven Universe and you watch several in a row and then you start to catch on. I, I think you should just, I don't know that you would necessarily want to watch it, Adam, but just read like the Wikipedia summary or something so you get what I'm talking about. I think like, I've seen like one cosmic. or two of like Steven Universe and I, I, like part of me just goes like, so kids just take drugs and watch this, right? <laughs> Well, no, man. I think that's the thing I thought at first, too, but it's not like Adventure Time, oh. which uh, I'm not a huge fan of Adventure Time, but I guess it has a lore and a story and something interesting going on there. I just never really got into Adventure Time for some reason, mainly because all the guys wearing the hat and saying it was a costume. But, but yeah, that's my costume. Look at what out. I did. No, you didn't do a thing. Shut up. Yeah, it's like the Adam and me coming out here. Yeah. But, but yeah, man, just, just read uh, sometime about the Steven Universe story and the the crystal gems and his father was like a human that married this cosmic being and Steven is the child and his mother's gone but now he's got her power and then her her uh, uh, cosmic goddesses that worked alongside her, these three ladies called the crystal gems, come and have adventures and Steven helps them out in his mom's place. And two of the crystal gems are uh, uh, women who are in love with one another, which is something that I loved seeing the folks who got upset about that on a uh, Cartoon Network children's TV show. Like, I like seeing people get upset about stuff that doesn't upset me sometimes, and I had a lot of fun with that. Pretty good stuff. Like, there was an episode where the one crystal gym lady was trying to teach the other one to play baseball or something, and she's like, uh, why can't you hit the ball? And she says, because I'm too busy looking at your beautiful body or something like that i mean seriously it's straight up flirtation should be the um, other way around it should be just basically like hey come on it's basically built into your dna now there's also a show <laughs> called clarence adam i feel like i may have seen a promo for this tell me what this is about it is about <laughs> it is about the nerdiest kid in the universe having fun no matter what and uh, in fact his name really is pronounced quowance but he's great He's just great. He's so out of it. He is the biggest dork ever and totally oblivious to that fact. And furthermore, he just doesn't care. He is always having fun and happy, and I am jealous of Clarence. Oh, I've seen this kid. Yes. Okay. Now I, I was like, <laughs> this sounds familiar. And again, this is another one where I'm just watching. I'm like, kids just take drugs and watch this, right? <laughs> Could that kid I love the Clarence, too. Clarence doesn't really have any grand overarching story that I'm aware of. I like Clarence. Gumball doesn't do much for me, but that's another one that some people like. So there's 
you know, the golden age of television also extends to children's programming, I would argue. Oh, absolutely. Now, how how much were your, I mean, because these are where, and we talked about this like on H&P and stuff, uh, these are where a lot of the future kids, uh, the future stars have come from all the way back, you know, to, you know, really like Frankie and Annette and stuff like that. But the Mickey Mouse Club and stuff. How, what about the Jackie live action Cooper. Wasn't Jackie Cooper one of our gang? I mean, you go way back. Yeah, exactly. It's just like there's a lot of these kids stars that kind of come out of this early thing, especially stuff that people very often just shrug off as like, ah, whatever the heck that this is. And then the next thing you turn around and, you know, Miley Cyrus is a giant star and, uh, yeah. you know, Justin Timberlake is one of the hottest music acts in the world. What's uh, Selena Gomez, uh, Vanessa Hudgens, her career's not quite been as hot, I guess, as some of those other folks, but she had a, a little run there. That's what happens but when you yeah. drop the beeb, you know what I'm saying? Well, Zac Efron, man. I, I mean, that guy's probably going to be the biggest breakout star from that kind of batch of Disney slash Nickelodeon kids, yeah. don't you think? I, definitely up there for sure. Yeah, and uh, I mean, if you, I don't put him in the same as that batch that came out of the new Mickey Mouse Club. You know, that's the batch that gave us uh, Britney and... Spears and Justin Timberlake and those group. Yeah, um, just because Justin Timberlake's probably the biggest star out of that batch, but I think Zac yeah, Efron's the biggest star out of that out high of school kind of the musical little next era. wave after that. Yeah, the little high school musical yeah. stuff, and uh, you know, it got him to get his teeth fixed. So thank heavens, right? <laughs> I guess I don't that know. That kid man. had some bad I like teeth, boy. teeth. Him and him and uh, Affleck. Affleck had some chiclet teeth, and if you listen to the audio commentary on uh, on the Armageddon Criterion disc, as I'm off to want to do, uh, you can hear them talk about. Michael Bay just straight up talks about how Ben Affleck had chiclet teeth, and he's just like, "Listen, I'm going to spend fifteen thousand dollars. We're going to get you brand new teeth." Well, and man, that's what they did. <laughs> should we uh, talk a little bit about the house with a clock in its walls? Yeah, so we've been talking a little bit about the uh, kids' stuff and what's uh, what's out there for children. So, but you know, what happens when one of those movies actually hits the theaters? Well, we have uh, you know we go out and we review that sucker. So let's go ahead and take a listen to the trailer for the clock for the house with a clock of the walls. That's a hard one to always get correct. Hello, you're Lewis, I presume. You'll see. Things are quite different here. Except something horrible. So, you've told Lewis everything? Well, not everything. 
Have a look around. You're perfectly safe. That's safe? As long as it's fed. All right, and that was trailer for The House with a Clock in Its Walls. Uh, that was scarier than, uh, than, than the movie for sure. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I guess the big comparison, you know, you mentioned it's scarier than the movie, the, uh, uh, trailer. And is this supposed to be scary? I, I, I think it's more like fantasy. You know, I'm, I'm comparing it to, uh, uh, the Harry Potter sort of thing in my mind, like an American oh, Harry Potter. Sure. But uh, with Jack Black in the role, I mean, Goosebumps is something a lot of people are going to want to compare it to, right? Absolutely. Here's Especially the with the pumpkins. Oh, yeah. IMDb plot line, a young orphan named Lewis aids his magical uncle in locating a clock with the power to bring about the end of the world. This is, uh, that's right, directed by Eli Roth, the man who brought you hostile and <laughs> uh, has now brought you, uh, and they, his name is nowhere in any of the advertising or anything in here. I'm surprised they let him go on a couple of YouTube things and, uh, you know, kind of promote the movie that way. Uh, but starring Jack Black, Kate Blanchett, Owen Vaccaro, and uh, one of Bruce's very favorites, Kyle McLachlan. Oh, yes. Uh, now, uh, go ahead. I keep stepping all over you, man. Sorry. No, please finish. Uh, no, so had, so this is based on, on a on a children's book because, as you know, today if you write a children's book, uh, you darn well better option that thing for a lot of money because somehow we can make that into a film uh, because that's what we do for every <laughs> children's lit now. Were, were you aware of this at all? Or no, no, and this is not recent. This is like from the seventies. Oh, is that right? Yeah, if I remember correctly, man, I, I looked it up briefly. To see what it was based on, I can double check that, but I think it's from like the seventies. At the very least, it's like the eighties. But I had never heard of it, which is what made me think it was something relatively new. But uh, it it is based on a book of the same name. Also, I want to talk about that name, nineteen seventy three. Oh wow! Okay, so yeah. It, so if, if they're not finding something new, they sure shooting get something old. <laughs> if the book was so darn good, why did it take them forty years to make a movie? Uh, magic. Magic's tough to do on screen. Did you see yeah. David Copperfield in the 80s? It wasn't always the best. Hey, they tried a wrinkle in time way back then. Oh, but, um, anything would have been better than what they put out this year, or was it last year? Whatever it was, it was garbage. Boom. Well, before we get too far into it, I'm going to say I thought the movie was okay. Yeah, that, um, I, I didn't dislike it. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat with you. I think it was okay. I think a lot of people going in thinking you're either a going to get something very much scarier than you were, as that trailer certainly alludes to, uh, but you really didn't see that trailer a whole bunch. You saw the more funny trailers in theaters. Uh, or two, uh, you're not going to get your it's so it's not to like the level of your Harry Potters or anything else like that. But at the same time, too, it's also not as wild and crazy, as you mentioned, is uh, as Goosebumps, which was another Jack Black vehicle, of which, <clears throat> as far as the credits go, he's not in the uh, sequel. He may do the thing for the, uh, he, for the puppet, uh, I guess. Spoiler, but he is. He's in the sequel. Well, I wouldn't be shocked. Uh, I, You know, nothing... <laughs> I didn't put nothing past, because I guess they're supposed to pretend like he's dead or something in the from what I can put together in the trailer. It's just got to be weird for R.L. Stein to watch that movie. Yeah, dead. Where he's to supposed Stein. to be dead. Yeah, dead. But uh uh I don't know, man. I I was kind of thinking, okay, they're going to try to give us something a little more like Harry Potter um cuz boy, they've tried really hard to give us the next Harry Potter for years now. Yeah, and they and they've even tried with 
you know, Harry Potter branded stuff. And even that really, the, the Fantastic Beasts didn't do super hot. And I, I don't know how well this next one's going to do, to be quite frank. I think it'll do okay. Yeah, but I I'm not, not that interested. I mean, I'll see it, but I'm not excited. Oh, yeah, I don't um, care about it. I'll, uh, I'll and it. Percy, Percy Jackson's the one that really fell flat. I mean, they even had Chris Columbus on that. Yeah, the, at least I only really remember the first one, which I, I, I liked well enough. Yeah, I think it was okay. It wasn't amazing, but it, but just, it was like, it, okay. It, it just really fell flat. They aged everybody up from the source material, which is something Harry Potter didn't do, so I didn't understand that because they did want this to be a long franchise that follows the the books. They needed younger actors to start with unless they wanted <laughs> you know, old farts by the time they get to the end, which anyway, that's not the movie we're discussing. We're talking about Eli Roth directing this. Any idea? Do you have any idea how he got attached to this did he lose a bet I, I don't know man or did the producers lose a bet i it's really interesting uh because eli roth has always been this guy when he first directed cabin fever and everything i uh, got some uh, you know small acclaim and everything and did well for a, a small independent film of that time and uh so he got a little bit of success from that and they were like okay now what do you want to do and he goes i want to do another horror movie and they go whoa 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 pump the brakes here pal if you do another horror movie, you're going to start to be known as the horror guy. And let's be honest, and this, you know, you, you don't want to be the horror guy. That's And he's like, oh, no, no, you're absolutely wrong. I solely want to be that horror guy, right? Uh, so he continued to do whatever he wanted to do uh, to varying degrees of success. Hostel did uh, those two first two movies did quite well. He's done a couple other things have not gone so hot. The last one, uh, Green Inferno, uh, it made no money. The, I think Eli Roth had had, had a couple of uh, not so hot hits and stuff, and it was just like I, I need to get paid. And and let's be honest to the, um, I I don't know what you call the casual film goer to like the person who knows a little bit about movies but not a lot. Mm -hmm. You hear Eli Roth, and he's not even horror. You're going to go more specific than that. He's just mutilation. Yeah, I mean, you know, he, he does he the... does body mutilation horror. He was part of the Splat Pack, as they were called in the early 2000s, consisting of like him and, um, uh, oh, what's his face? We got Zombie and uh, Alexander Aja and a handful of others that were like bringing back this really hardcore, you know, splatter porn, if you will. Uh, you know, that was never, never as prevalent I, as that, for sure. <laughs> I never got any joy out of just watching uh, a person be tortured. To you know what I mean? Like I kind of, at least in in the first Saw movies, uh, which kind of went into sort of the the horrific torture scenarios, but there was kind of a story going along with it, or an interesting thing about it, or it was a little bit of there was a mystery uh, behind everything. Contrapasso, I think, is the term where the punishment fits the crime. Like if you do drugs, then we're going to kill you with syringes. You know? Yeah. But I don't know, man. When I watched Hostel, it was just like these people got kidnapped and. They blowtorched the lady's eyeball, you know? Yes. Uh, and to me, that that was one of the things that, uh, for, for like that, to me, what it becomes in is like an awesome display of like makeup. And that's 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 what I kind of start viewing them as because you, you can't go like, how am I going to connect to this? Uh, you're probably not. And it's I think that's a trip down the rabbit hole of the weird and depraved, a, a place you might want to visit, but you certainly don't want to live there. 
So no real idea then from either of us how uh, Eli Roth got put on this. this. I feel it just needed some some bread. I think he I think he needed a win, and they were like, "Look, we'll let you do this." We we know. I think they know that he's a capable director, uh, but they were just like, we'll, "We'll do it on the on the caveat that we can't put your really name on it." And at the same time, I'm sure he'd be like, "No, oh, well, okay, that's fair enough." I, I, okay, but once again, are are is there like a severe shortage of people willing to direct movies? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, I understand you need a director. He needs a paycheck. It all makes sense. But that you could say, well, Josh Trank needs a paycheck, but you're never going to put him on this. No, and I'll be honest with you. Now that I'm kind of looking at some of the particulars here. Uh, budget for this thing was $42 million. That's high for this film. You and I saw you the think same so? film. Do you, you think, think this so? is 42 worth? It's it well, uh you've got some expensive actors. That's the big I think that's the big thing. I think you've got you've got two big actors and you've got, you know, a big director and I would say that's probably where the majority of the bread in this movie came from. And I know that the cost on effects is going down, but I thought the effects were up to snuff. They're fine. Uh, yeah, they're good looking. The, the, the reason I wouldn't say it's a lot of money is because it's just such an odd amount. You know, we've talked before on Hero Movie Podcast how everything's either $10 million or $100 million, and it's rare you get that thing in between, and that's what, this kind of surprises me. $42 million seems really low for uh, the cast and the, the marketing. I mean, they had to spend that much on marketing alone. I mean, they yeah, marketing they for marketed this, this pretty big. good, I feel like. Yeah, it, or heavily, I should say. Where it uh, its domestic total right now is uh, just under twenty-eight million worldwide. We're looking at thirty-six point eight million, and you know, on a forty-three million dollar budget, in two weeks you're going to be well. By the it'll be profitable enough by the end of its run. I don't know if it would this will go, and they clearly set it up for it in the in the movie uh, for a sequel. I feel like it it might squeak a sequel by maybe. Um, not with the cast intact. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Well, that's probably true. They probably. But, but here's here's what I think is a fair comparison. It, it, here, I'll I'll see if I can find it. But just to compare this to the budget of Goosebumps, because I think that they needed an equal budget based on what we got. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I feel like Goosebumps probably costs more. Eighty four sure. million. Yeah, that's that's. I would put it about seventy five. But so that's yeah. Okay. But, but the reason that that's a good comparison is I think. Uh, the Jack Black salary is going to be significant at part of both of those budgets. That's true. I think they both have a similar amount of effects, and they're aiming. You have to feel like they're aiming for a similar box office, even though, you know, Goosebumps is going to have more name recognition. Oh, for sure. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm surprised the budget is what it's reported to be. I thought it would be higher than that. Now, what do we? So, all right. So, we'll we'll go on easy stuff here uh, first. Jack Black. I don't know. I don't care what he's doing. He's always putting in a solid performance in wherever he decides to go. I like Jack Black, and I'm not sure why. Like, I can't really put my finger on it, but I like Jack Black. He's pretty talented. Uh, you know, I think it's easy for people to dismiss him as he's always Jack Black, no matter what the role yeah. is, but. From what I understand, man, Bernie was pretty impressive. Oh, Bernie was fantastic. Yeah, again, there's there's it, things that like he does that stretches him out as far as an actor goes, and I don't think a lot of people they they see Jack Black. They don't think about uh, you know his, his role in King Kong, Peter Jackson's King Kong. Yeah, which might uh, might be because a lot of people don't like that movie. I maybe think those people I are wrong. <laughs> uh, but I think that 
it was I, I think it's fair to say that School of Rock was a sleeper hit. Like people didn't know that was going to be a big deal. And, oh, and I'm no. not saying it was a massive deal, but it did well. It did well. It did well. I mean, it's a Richard Linklater film, which was another thing that like Richard Linklater put this out. That was another <laughs> weird turn. It's like it, A, it's Richard Linklater. B, it's Jack Black. C, everyone loved it. It got turned into a Holly er, a Broadway musical and everything. And I don't it think it was. Weirdly, weirdly I don't think. Well. I think it was just intended to be a, a PG thirteen comedy. Yeah. That happened to have kids in it. I don't think it was intended to be a kids movie. But the, the chemistry of Jack Black working with children was so much fun. A lot of kids like that that I think he didn't realize that he was opening up this whole ballpark of being a guy that makes kids movies a lot. And I'm not saying he makes only kids movies and he really, uh, you know, like he's good in Jumanji, which is kind of one of those swing movies. It's kind of kids movies, but yeah. not exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, that this movie was made for people like me that are in their mid-30s that, like, you know, absolutely grew up on Jumanji and was that was like... That's our uh, nostalgia well, they made trip. It for, they made it for people like me and my wife to share with our kids because yeah. we had our Jumanji. Now they have theirs. But Jack Black's in that. He's in this. He's in Goosebumps. Um, he's becoming kind of a guy who's like good. He's solid. You know what you're going to get out of him. He does a real good job with the comedy, even though his style of comedy is kind of pretty consistent. You know, when he's being comedic, he has one kind of comedic for the most part, I think. Yeah, I mean, there, there's certainly a style even in between, like, let's just take, like, what I think are probably very disparately uh, different characters uh, between his role in Jumanji and his role here are, are two very it, wildly different things. But yet there's also something uh, of them that... It's when you point the camera at Jack Black, he almost can't help but be Jack Black. But we also kind of love that about him. And it, I love it when a fat guy has energy. Okay, I oh, love yeah. it when a fat guy has energy, and he's got a lot of energy. I also love it that you know there were many times in his career when an agent or maybe a casting director, somebody's told him, you know, you lose fifty pounds, you're going to get a whole lot more work. You know, he, oh, yeah. he had to have heard that, especially early on when he's not hit it as big as he has now. I mean, and you look I like at him back in the days of like high fidelity. He just looks like a hobo yeah. that you dragged off the street. And, and you know, there've been some times where me and Jack Black have shared that hobo look. So <laughs> I just admire the fact that he's managed to make a pretty good career being Jack Black, man. Yeah. You know, and, and I, I love this. Like, it seems like, I don't know the book or nothing like that, but it feels like he brought a lot of his character, you know, and, and like personality to this role as well. You know, yes. just from the, the kind of opening thing where, uh, you know, he just goes, is that a robe? It's a kimono. <laughs> it's like, yes. what a weird and stupid, odd choice, well, but it's I, so I, I flippin funny. Yeah, I haven't read the book, so I don't know if that's from the book or added for the movie. But I get the idea there was this really eccentric uncle, this really quirky, eccentric uncle, and Jack Black just happens to work for it. And even if the uncle had a different kind of quirky and eccentric than Jack Black, it still works with Jack Black. He does the great, like, love uh, love field insults back and forth with uh, Kate Blanchett's character, who, by the way, I really liked Kate Blanchett in this, but I think I always really liked Kate Blanchett. I was about to say, Kate Blanchett's just great in everything that she does to where it's just she like, even, you are way too makes, classy to be here. She makes someone who's supposed to be uh, an aged spinster look pretty hot, too. Oh, yeah. You're I just mean, she's just, just she, like, can't, she can't not be beautiful. Look at this old skeleton and how she's all wrinkly in bed. I'm just like, that woman's gorgeous. <laughs> 
Yeah. You're what so are you wrong. About Jack Black? <laughs> like, well, you're all just saying, like, this is a elementary school relationship that you two got going on here because that's what, all, yeah, yeah you kind of ugly and stuff too. <laughs> Not really, no. <laughs> but, um, the the one part where I think maybe the budget showed itself a little bit was hair and makeup. Okay. Which is a weird place for the budget to show itself. But uh, Kate Blanchett's wig looked very, like, Saturday Night Live skit quality to me. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? The gray hair. She, she wasn't selling it for a minute. Not like the way that Michelle Pfeiffer, let's say, sold it in uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp. Yeah, no, I can I can definitely see that, and again, I think that's and, a difference in budget of a hundred million dollars. <laughs> but it's a weird place because it, if you're not, you have to extremely be pinching your pennies when you're skimping on the wig. You know what I mean? Like they were struggling to get in under their budget. Yeah, we put a little rat's wig on, and you're just like, yeah, Jack, it's, it's good enough. The beard dye on Jack Black's beard was just a little too black, and I don't know if maybe that's the goal with his name being Jack Black, but it kind of. Had like the shoe polish appearance I get when I see, uh, you know, some of the the local old folks that maybe I'll run into during the day in the, in my course of work or whatever that that clearly have like the shoe, you know, <laughs> ninety five years old and not a gray hair in their beard. Oh, uh, we had <laughs> you know, growing the, up, we had a we had a neighbor George who, who him and his wife have passed away. God bless him. Uh, they were great. George went from like like just stone white hair one one year to jet black the next and it was like george seriously we all knew baby this you're not fooling nobody yeah what if i ever is start dying my doing? beard i'm gonna have to move to a new town because i can't pull it off now like there was a point in time when i when it first started going gray i could have started dying it then and maybe nobody would have noticed but at this point man i just have to move to a new town and start fresh <laughs> with a fake beard be like well listen honey we gotta move what what are we moving <laughs> for did, did do did you get a new job what happened no 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 i'm just deciding to <laughs> dye my, my beard, beard. <laughs> so uh we can't be here anymore we've got to get all new friends <laughs> but if his beard dye job looked out on camera i can only imagine how ridiculous it must have looked in person i do wonder some of these things uh when i see stuff because we are very much while it doesn't necessarily seem that way we're very much still in the infancy of uh films being shot on video yeah know? and so i it, it took a, it took television a while even when they had that switch over to high definition uh for local uh you know anchors and stuff like that to get their makeup right because their makeup on on regular television just regular analog tv looked absolutely horrible in high definition. So you had to get actual kind of high definition, quote unquote, approved makeup, if you will, so you didn't look like absolute garbage. And I wonder if we're still in some of that for uh, the film world as well, is that we're just you not know, quite we might used be. to how it things are makes supposed me think, to look um, If you've ever been to a stage production where they use a lot of makeup, yeah. and then after the show you get to go meet the actors, and you see that makeup, like it looks good from your seat when they're on stage. Oh, yeah. Then you go to get your picture with them, and you're like, oh, my goodness, what happened to you, man? Yeah, Polyoxy, when did you here? get here? Well, that's what it was like when they first introduced the HD TVs to my, uh, or HD cameras to my local news. You oh, know yeah. what I mean? It was like, wow, it's like stage makeup up close suddenly. I didn't realize how, how much the camera hid stuff back then. You know, because I'm just oh, not yeah. in the business. I'm not around it that much. And it's crazy. And we knew some people were going to have a really hard time. And even some people like, you know, Barbara Walters for the longest time just uh, had like one of those uh, vanity lenses, if you will, look like Sybil Shepherd, where you just 
<laughs> you know, smoke up that lens as much as you can. Be like, oh, it, wasn't there the the famous Paula Abdul video where they stretched out the image to make her look thinner or something weird like that? Oh, I the, wouldn't uh, be the Rush Rush video. Yeah, look that up sometime. I it's, wouldn't it's be hilarious. about that. That seems. You know what? The, you know what the best Paula Abdul video is? Well, besides Emsky's Scat Cat, we we're gonna take that one off the table because obviously everyone knows that's the answer. Is uh, rats? That was gonna be my answer. <laughs> was uh, uh, a cold hearted snake? That's a David Fincher one. Are you sure that's David Fincher? That is a good video. Yeah, that's a that's a David Fincher joint right there. It was there. Um, inspired by uh, this famous um, choreographer from Broadway that did a lot of uh, leather type shows. If you catch my drift, oh, I can't yeah. remember his name now. But yeah, there was a famous Broadway director that inspired the look of that video. But I didn't know Fincher made the video. Yeah, he he did he did a lot of great videos. He did like uh, a couple for Madonna. He did like Vogue and uh, Janie's Got a Gun. For Aerosmith, that was a big one for him. Uh, but no, he he directed a lot. Like, and that was what I was always so funny was hearing the old adage of like, "Oh, music video directing." I'm like, some of that music video directing is really good, and we've and we've had a couple directors now. Him being, in my opinion, amongst the highest of directors that have gone from you know uh, commercials and music videos and stuff and made really amazing cinema. I mean, you can say what you want about Michael Bay, but he came from that world too. And you know, he yeah. made some pretty huge movies. Now, what did you think about the kid in this movie? I wanted to like this kid. I don't hate the kid, but I don't necessarily feel one way or the other about him. I feel like perhaps we don't really know enough about his character to really uh, make that emotional connection with him. Because really, the only people that we truly connect with, in my opinion, in this movie are the adults. I think you're right. I think you're right there. Have you seen the Daddy's Home movies? Because I'm a big fan of Daddy's Home and Daddy's yeah, Home 2. Yeah, a big fan. I'm probably a bigger fan of Daddy's Home 2. Oh, look, and, it was, uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a lot of fun. We we covered that on the show. Well, this this kid is in those movies, so I recognize him from there. Oh, is that right? Is that like Because sometimes yeah. you see some of these kids and you're just like, I know this kid from something, and I sure shooting can't remember. <laughs> and then some of the kids look like... Uh, like a, another actor used to look when they were a kid, but they're like 30 years old now. Like his friend, uh, not his friend so much, but Tarby, the one that is his friend at first, and then after the yeah, election yeah. sort of uh, turns on him. He looks like uh, uh, the guy that's in The Deuce now. I don't know if you watch The Deuce at all, but I can't think of his name. He he was also in uh, uh, maybe in the uh, Tim Allen Santa Claus movie as like the main elf that was kind of a wisecracker. Oh, I know who you're talking about. I can't remember the guy's name. It's killing me. I can't think of his name right now, but that's who I thought Tarby kind of looked like, like that guy looked when he was a kid. Um, but but I liked uh, Owen Vaccaro because they got an actual kid. He's still young. I think they're always tempted to get somebody, you know, they, it's the long theater practice, not just Hollywood, theater practice. Now, now you don't mean the, the young do you, looking old kid. Yeah. You know, and they do you mean the kid, the kid, the, the kid in the, uh, in the, in the uh, Santa Claus? Yeah. Or no, or, not the son. Not the son. He plays an elf. You're thinking Bernard. Yeah, Bernard, man. David Crumholtz is the actor's name. David Crumholtz, and I'm pretty sure he's who I'm thinking about. Then I have to have man. I don't even know how to spell Crumholtz. Yeah. Good luck. But, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, he's who I'm thinking. This he looked like this. When he was young. I thought he looked like the like another one. Yeah, of the that's cast. exactly who I'm thinking of. David Crumholtz, who's now like gotten. I don't know if he just put on weight specifically for the deuce, but he plays like a sleazy adult film producer in the deuce. Hmm. 
I, I've heard good things about that show. I have not, have not seen. Have not seen. Yeah, uh, I, I enjoyed the first season of that, but that's a far cry from what we're talking about today. Indeed. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, overall, this movie was good. I I, I had enough fun times in it. Uh, but it drug uh, but again, in the middle. It had a sagging middle. That's, that's always true. a problem. That's very true. I was going to mention. I was just like, there were a couple of times where you just kind of, okay, all right, I'm awake. No, mean, no, I'm awake. <laughs> you know, in Bruce's rule book, rule number one is get to McLaughlin as quick as you can. Oh my gosh! So yeah, oh my, we didn't even we haven't even talked about uh, about how McLaughlin. Uh, any of this thing, uh, I know that had to be a giant pleasure for you, especially in like like crazy old makeup. I, I swear, I had no idea he was in the movie until I saw the credits. You know, like before I went in to see the movie, I didn't know he was going to be in it. Uh, yeah, oh yeah. So it was a big thrill. <laughs> and Captain Midnight's a real thing, so that was a thrill for me too. Yeah, I, I figure especially like the aesthetic of this uh, kind of being in your fifties and everything. Uh, not your your physical the nineteen fifty five. I'm not saying that Bruce is, <laughs> is not is, fifty yet. Maybe I'll be there someday. He's, he's not, not he's yet. not quite there yet. But uh, we're we're inching along. Uh, but back in nineteen fifty five, I, I to me I love I love this whole era and I love you know the look of of cars and and it felt it felt close to that era, but also. At the same time, I guess holding still a little bit of modern enough touches to where it didn't feel, you know, like it was trying too hard. I guess. Yeah, um, and being a period piece makes everything a little bit more fun. And, and, you and forgive this things is kind more. of a magical period to the fifties. But I say, put these kids up against some sort of psychotic clown at some point, and uh, who knows what's going to happen. And man, when they reference a decoder ring that you get from Ovaltine. I, I, I don't know if, if Eli Roth really loves a Christmas story, like if that was put in there yeah. because someone involved was a Christmas story fan, or maybe that was in the actual 1973 book just because Ovaltine was filthy with Dakota rings back in the day. <laughs> We're lousy with Dakota rings over here at the Ovaltine <laughs> the hospital factory. hospital was just cr- crazy filled with kids who choked on Dakota rings while drinking Ovaltine. I don't know, but... I love how they went to like an Ovaltine store, more or less. <laughs> But, but yeah, the the middle drug just a little bit. They tried to put a touch of a diary of a wimpy kid or uh, middle school, the worst years of my life. Like they really tried to put a little bit of a middle school story into this uh, fantasy story. So when you really I just wanted the fantasy. And and was this movie long though? Like I don't feel like it was long, which is why it's disappointing. It had a sagging middle, but. Source material is only 179 pages, and that's with illustrations. So uh, we're looking at the, an hour 45. Yeah, so they were probably trying their best to make sure they had at least 90 minutes of movie. You know. Now the the lady, I'll say this. I just want to have this as my closing thought. The lady that they had play as mom is very attractive. Oh yeah! Holy <laughs> smokes! Well, let me catch my breath on that. Oh, Lorenza, I mean, Lorenza Izzo. I've seen her in a couple things. What is she in? Hold on. I've seen her in some stuff. So she's in Life Itself. That's actually out in theaters right now, which I have not seen. And uh, I think my parting shot on this movie, the box office isn't strong. It's not weak, not strong. But I think it would have been worth a 10 to 20% bump if they didn't have such an awkward name. And I know it's the title of the book, and it's kind of cool that they held with the title of the book, but... Maybe you call it Boy Witch or something. and, and you Boy Witch. Yeah. <laughs> I think they proved I mean, in the movie that Boy Witch may not have been the... <laughs> this, this, is like the uh, this is an uncomfortable title. It's a difficult title. I think people aren't going to like it. I think it's right up there with the 
what was the one the the butcher his wife the something and her lover or yeah, whatever i oh the, the cook the thief the wife and her lover something like that yeah, yeah something like that some of these titles uh way down good movies and i don't know if this one's good enough that it warrants arguing uh, that fact but um, well, you can say that the, the Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows and the Deathly Potter and the Bibbidi Boobidi Yeah, but you had Harry Potter. You know, everybody calls it Harry Potter 6, the next Harry Potter movie. That's true. No, no one was just like, can be, I see the Chamber of Secrets? Get, that, get out of here. There had to be someone um, of very high rank at Universal who found this title important because I know there were marketing people just begging them to change the name of this. How about the clockhouse? Something, come on, something, some, some snippy, something fast. But no, it's like a Doomsday Fiona. Doomsday clock. It's a Fiona Apple uh, album that you have to go in and recite before you can get your ticket. <laughs> oh my God, jeez! And even they, they called that one something else, where they're just like, "Ain't nobody saying the name of this poem." But I'll say this: you got kids, you got a, a range of kids. You got, uh, like, say you go down as low as five and as high as fifteen. And you want something you can enjoy, and you're like me, kind of a little nerdy for fantasy. You like Lord of the Rings, you like Harry Potter, uh, you like Percy Jackson. I I think this is worth seeing in the theater. I think this is a good family outing if you got a family. If it's if you're someone in Adam's demographic, you probably probably don't need to watch. Yeah, it you you probably won't. But yeah, it's especially if you've got like like you said there a, a nice range of ages and stuff like that. I think that this could be most accommodating to most of those most of those age ranges and everything. Because a lot of those times, if you were to like, well, we could go see this, but then this one's going to be like, oh, this one's not so hot. And then, you know, vice versa for the other stuff. And I think it's, uh, uh, as far as the mass appeal, less enjoyable than Goosebumps, but I have more respect for the story in A House with a Clock in Its Walls. Yeah, this, this, it's a little bit, you, you take it a little bit more serious. It's more of a straightforward, real story. And as fun as it is, and there's a lot of fun in it, it's not as rompy, if you will, as as the Goosebump movie. And I, I don't know if the book is part of a franchise or not. Um, I don't see this becoming a franchise, at least not one with the cast intact. And, you know, it could be one of those weird ones like the Flintstones where they recast everybody in the sequel. But I, I don't think this is going to be the uh, next Harry Potter. It's Kevin James as the Jack Black character. <laughs> I would so go see that. Kevin James and Jack Black, they're the good and kind then, of bad. Uh, I need to be the good uh, kind of bad. Let's see, how, how are we recasting uh, Blanchett? Uh, wait, uh, what, Molly Ringwald, <laughs> what's, what's she what's doing? What's the, uh, the, the lady that was in uh, Uncle Drew that we talked about um, that you, she's... Over uh, on the oh Tiffany Haddish exposure. Tiffany Haddish yes, as Tiffany a, Haddish honestly the, I'm starting the, to turn uh, around character. because if if we had like a sexy black or, or a sassy black lady in that in that role I I think it might be a, an interestingly different movie you stupid <laughs> you stupid wizard kid I told you <laughs> just screaming at him for great something in the sequel though Kevin James and Tiffany Haddish I'd watch then, that. <laughs> I'm already, I don't know I'm, who they go to in the third one. Who do you go after, Kevin James? Then, then well, here, listen, Purse. You come to me for the Hollywood answers, and I give you the Hollywood answers, my friend. Next one, Kevin Hart, because <laughs> we got we got to have somebody yeah. else. It, we and the Rock go is uh, the female completely character. opposite. <laughs> then we dress the Rock up in a lovely purple dress and a wig, and oh, then that would he be plays awesome. the. Listen. Oh, Hollywood should just send us checks directly. I don't know what's wrong with them at this point. We've you got to admit, 
you got to admit, a remake of Mrs. Doubtfire starring The Rock would would do a hundred million dollars. Oh I would weekend. see that so hard. It's just like, and just and again, no one is the wiser on anything. Just a just a. <laughs> We just happened to find this old la- old Hawaiian lady who's super, super big. Yeah, she pulls off like the Mount Fuji look or like the Mohana- Moana's He's uh, grandmother look or something. He's got to get a big giant fat suit, but for some reason this, this grandma is still like 6'5". <laughs> and I like, you know, the inevitable scene of the punk trying to rob grandma and the rocks under there. I told you, know? you son. Ah, and he's just kind of throwing him across the room, Robert Rodriguez style. I Again... I'd watch this, and I still want Pierce Brosnan to be after him. <laughs> and, and then you know that uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson makes many movies a year, so he can go straight into Tootsie from uh, that one. Oh, man, just a series of, of, of The Rock dressing up like ladies and, and, and successfully pulling it off. Big I want Mama's House 5 starring Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Man, he's even taken over Martin Lawrence's uh, second <laughs> meals. He doesn't even care. He's just like, look, I don't even worry about making the money. I just, I'm up 72 hours, you know, once in he, a row Once every he takes over Medea from Tyler Perry, that's when we shut him down. Yeah, at, at that point, we're going to be like, look, uh, Dwayne, this is for your own good. You're really going to need to stop it. <laughs> Yeah. Well, man, I think I think I'm I, all fresh out of yeah, stuff. Yeah, I think we've wrapped it just about up here and everything. Uh, I'm not sure what I'm going to be doing next week. Uh, I am going to be giving you guys more film find fives. Uh, so if you are a Patreon supporter, Patreon.com/slash the film find, uh, you'll be getting new film find fives. Uh, I'll release those separately on the regular feed. You know, a while later. Uh, so, so, so eventually you might get some of those, but especially if, uh, some of them are, uh, you know, time sensitive and stuff, you might want to go check that out. And I want to thank everybody that has still, uh, continued to support me and the positive feedback that I've gotten on Twitter for, uh, some of the new stuff. And I'll try not to, uh, you know, say the same thing over and over while I do my other shows, but I've got more people coming on board, everybody. So, uh, uh, Bruce, thanks for coming in, man. Tell people where we can find more of your work on the interwebs. Hey, I got a new thing. I got a new thing, man. I just published uh, uh, Dragon Blinder, the complete Ooh. Lump Adventures. It's an omnibus that has all three of the Lump Adventures. I sent you the cover like months ago. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I finally got around to uh, publishing it today, actually. So by the time people hear this, you should be able to go to Amazon, type in Dragon Blinder. It's just one word, Dragon Blinder. Nice. You'll find the complete Lump Adventures, the ebook. Uh, with a deep, deep discount, about half the price of buying all three books individually. So go check that out. Help yourself out, everybody. Uh, so that's it. Join us uh, for another episode next week. Bruce will be off. I'll have somebody else in here, or I'll be in here by myself. Who knows? And, of course, uh, listen to Hero Movie Podcast. Uh, we're covering The Man of Steel next week. So uh, check that out, everybody. Uh, until then, uh, we'll see you later. Politics, love is new. A yardstick for lunatics, one point of view.